And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we're going to have so much fun today because we're going to deviate a little bit, but we're also going to talk about social media. We're going to do all sorts of fun stuff. But I met my guest today online. You know, this is how the world works, folks. Anybody who thinks they can hide and not use social media, you know, you've got to get used to it. And and I still talk to somebody at least once a week who says, oh, I don't want to be on Facebook. I don't want to have a LinkedIn profile. And then heaven forbid, I don't need a website. No, you know what? You've got to do that, even if it's just the basics. Because if you don't, you miss out on all the opportunities to meet such fabulous people, including my guest today. So please join me in welcoming Lauren Weissman to the program. Thank you so much, Deb. It's great to be here. Great. We are going to have so much fun, but for people who aren't familiar with you, let me tell just a little bit about you. So a business advisor, speaker, and author Lauren Weissman, Weissman sorry, applies brand precision marketing for startup and established businesses, as well as individual clients and entrepreneurs. Lauren is a managing partner and co-founder of Leveraging Smart Incorporated. He is also the author of three music industry books, including Wiley and Sons, Music Business for Dummies, and The Artist's Guide to Success in the Music Business. Hosted by Lauren Weissman, wait, what, really, okay, <laughs> is a methodical, comical, and informational podcast covering the best approaches for business and the arts today. Lauren is based in Vero Beach, Florida, and is available to clients over phone, Skype, or in person. So again, Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Deb. It's good to be here. Great, great. And, and I'm assuming I said the, the name of your podcast correctly by adding my little dramatic pause. That's all about the nuance. I love it. We, we, we say, wait, <laughs> what? Really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's fun. I, I haven't had the chance to really listen to a lot of your podcasts, so I'm looking forward to, to going back and, and doing that. But, you know, before we really jump into a lot of, okay, let's just jump in. Why do you do a podcast? And tell us a little bit more about it. I started the podcast. It was originally a form, uh, it was a brand formatting experiment slash invoice for a client that never ended up paying. And oh. a friend of mine in Los Angeles said, you put all this time and all this work in, you have some great content. Why don't you start with a podcast? And mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't disagree. We tried, we tried a couple episodes. I dialed in the brand. iHeartRadio picked it up and we're, mm -hmm. uh, well, I think we're about 40 some episodes in now. Wow. So what exactly do you talk about on it? We do business, we do branding, we talk about all different topics that relate directly and indirectly to people's businesses. The whole concept summarized is that when you talk about only one success route or one business model or one person's story, oftentimes it doesn't take into consideration that this person might have more friends or this person might have a bigger budget or a smaller budget or a different type of idea. The idea of wait, what really? Okay. Is to make your mind go, wait, what really? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I hope that with each episode, people take away a small piece that they remember, they can relate to, they already knew, or they're reminded of. Right. right. You know, and, and I love the fact that so many people are now using podcasts to get information out there. And clearly you're a pro at it because you were in the music industry and, you know, and, and so you know how to do these things. But, you know, how do you market it? Because I think that's one of the things that people ask me a lot is, well, how do people even know it exists? Well, that that's the thing. I wasn't a pro. It's, 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 I, I do it on GarageBand, which is a free app on the Mac that I use. Okay. And it's it, it, it was more of a learning curve than some of the big recording studio engineering boards and mixing boards that I worked on. But 
with the opportunities of, of podcasting and an audio and don't, don't be overwhelmed. I mean, I would say to all your listeners, even if you're putting out five minutes of quality audio mm -hmm. a week, you're putting out one more thing that can compound against a video, against a photo, against a blog. And that in itself, it becomes that much more inviting. As far mm -hmm. as marketing it, I took a different angle in the way of saying I wanted to have an audio, but I wanted that audio to be supplemented. So the podcast the or the audio comes out on Monday, Tuesday, there's a photo supplement to that audio. Wednesday, there's okay. a video that becomes a supplement and ties back. Thursday, it's a link. And Friday, it's a blog. So on that page, and it's not an overwhelming amount of time because of a calendar that's set up, it's five pieces of content that drive toward each other. Right. And you know that you've got that content that, or that you need that content and what days you need it for. Exactly. I mean, well, a lot of people miss out. And even if you don't have a podcast, which I think you should, regardless of what you're doing, to have that sense of an editorial calendar to prepare ideas for content, the way that it ties into that given day, even if it's some funny joke about something tying into that day. Today's December 19th. A lot of people mm -hmm. don't remember. It was 19 years ago the movie Titanic came out with Leonardo DiCaprio and oh. Kate Winslet. Oh, I feel old. So maybe, oh, oh you're not old. But maybe that's something <laughs> in the way of making a joke, of, making a joke mm -hmm. on your social media today about a Titanic reference where you talk about mm -hmm. something that everybody remembers, vicariously positive, or maybe they think it makes them feel old, but mm -hmm. from tagging them into something they remember and then converting or calling to the action of what you deliver, you're that much more interesting and you're that much more prepared. Right. Well, and I love the concept of tying it to something else because so many people, you know, when I'm working with them, I get the cross-eyed, the deer in headlights look and they say, we don't know what to post. And tying it into the day of, you know, today is today is the day ti the Titanic movie was released or, you know, it's Veterans Day or, you know, whatever you're tying it into, then you don't have to think so much. You know, you're not having to come up with something new. So when you talk about an editorial calendar, is that one of the tips that you have for people? It's a big tip and it's a big piece of what I work on with people. There's some people that just contact me to talk about editorial calendars and in, in, in interviews. It's it's an idea that when you feel a little bit more secure, I mean, business, is, business and SEO and social media and content, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel inundating. But when we mm -hmm. think about, okay, well, what are two things that happened on December 19th? in, you know, in 90, in whatever that was, 97, it was the Titanic. Or if you, mm -hmm. the next December 19th, maybe you talk about the Simpsons debuting on Fox. The idea mm. is whether it's directly about you, vicariously connected to you or indirect, where you can have a comment on something mm -hmm. that in itself draws people. It's not continually selling. The selling goes right. secondary, but by mm -hmm. talking about things, what was it a, a month and some back? when the Cubs won in Chicago. Right. I'm from Boston, but I talked about a quick, I made a quick joke about, about the Cubs. I talked about being a mm -hmm. Boston fan, how if we couldn't have it, we wanted them. And there was a lot of engagement <laughs> and then mm -hmm. it ended up selling a few books. Right. You know, you, you, you think all, all too often people are so caught up in how do I sell? How do I sell? But today mm -hmm. in a world of overly dominant, overly pushy sales, when you invite someone in to engage them, to talk with them instead of at them or down to them, mm -hmm. now they relate to you. They want to know right. more about you and they want to know what you provide because you've intrigued mm -hmm. them in a world of annoyance. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and you are showing that you are a person. You're not that product. You're not that service. You're not that brand, um, you know, because we don't, work with and we don't you know we, we might like the brand of whatever it is but we really want to build relationships with the person so much so and when you do that and when you have that consideration even even when it's saying okay maybe maybe you can't necessarily relate but to on some different level where somebody feels eye to eye especially when you have music when you have entertainment i i do this with a lot of um, therapists and psychologists where people feel, or fitness trainers, I feel overwhelmed. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm too out of shape or I, I feel like I'm opening up too much. When mm -hmm. some of these therapists discuss not going deep into their lives or any other clients, but 
here's a funny list of things, or here's something mm -hmm. I experienced, or here's where my fear of heights came from. That right. might have nothing to do with mourning. It might have nothing to do with a relationship. It might have nothing to do with the counseling or the fitness that you need, but mm -hmm. you've opened up a door. And when you open up those doors, then with that call to action on the bottom or the clear brand across your information, you're starting the level of trust so much better than mm -hmm. everybody else saying, buy me, like me, friend me, follow me. Come, come, come. Give me, give me, give me. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Well, and you mentioned something in there, though, that is key, and that is still to somehow brand it so that it's not just today in this day in history, yada, yada, yada. You still have a call to action or something in there to subtly try it back into your tie it back into your business. Again, we're not saying, you know, that you're saying, hey, you know, it's funny. There's a car dealership here in Atlanta that does the in this day in history thing. And it, they always tie it back into why you need to be buying a car from them. And then they have the ha, 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 canned laugh. And I, I wouldn't buy a car from them for anything because they've just come across as being so fake. And, and so there kind of is that fine line that you have to walk. Oh, so much so. And it's, it's that consideration, too, of what could come from your heart or your mm -hmm. something that you experience and how could it be misread? It's not changing your message or your brand, but even in that sense, like I see a lot of t-shirts around where I live, where it says, I live where you vacation and people don't put that <laughs> on their social media header. And now mm -hmm. you're already saying you're better than somebody you're bragging right. about something. It doesn't need to mm -hmm. be that. I always mm -hmm. tell people that, that respond. I used to do some periscopes and walking on the beach in the morning Mm -hmm. For me, I need to be by the water. Somebody needs to be in the city. If not, somebody needs mm -hmm. to be in the country, this is where I thrive the best with work. And while mm -hmm. some people see this as a vacation spot, I'll tell certain people, hey, I live on the beach and I haven't been to the beach in weeks. You know, right. it, it, there's there's that thing that makes people feel like they want to learn more. And then there's that thing where people are trying to show off too much and it mm -hmm. clearly identifies that they don't have much to show at all. Right. And, it, you know, and, and immediately when they, they go into that kind of gloating mode, we tune them out. And then it doesn't matter what they say. It's just done. Our mistakes, and I mean, especially, and I, I say this, I say this as much to the millennials as I do to the baby boomers. We came up in a time, a lot of different people came up, you know, of, of different ages. We must portray nothing but success. And I am better at conversations and communication and consulting what I do because of my failures. And mm -hmm. even in my last publisher was like, we don't want to put that in. I said, look, I learned more from failure than I ever did from success because when I failed, I, I found out what I did wrong. When I succeeded mm -hmm. in certain areas, I have no idea what. Yeah. You're like, well, whoops, that was luck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, and it's funny because it is about personalizing and, and humanizing ourselves and, and not doing that bragging. You know, there's a, somebody else that I'm friends with on Facebook who, who um, he does multi, it's a multi-level marketing product and all he ever posts about, I mean, and I've, I've gone back and looked specifically just to see if I've, I'm missing things is how wonderful it is for him. He's made so much money and, you know, there's never anything about, here's what my product can do for you. And, and I always find, you know, it, it's, it, it is such a turnoff because the product that he represents really is something that is a very good product and, and, you know, could be very beneficial to so many people. But when the only thing he ever talks about is, Hey, you know, because, and, and it is, you know, it's, well, Hey, this product is so good that. I've won the car. I've won the boat. I've won the trip. Um, you know, back in the day where we, you know, really had the Mary Kay people, you know, okay, I'm really dating myself on this. They had the bumblebee pens and of course the pink Cadillacs and, and all of those things. <laughs> and they, now they've, it's interesting because they've really toned that back. Um, you know, you have to look to notice that it was a car that is, is a Mary Kay car or, you know, one of those other things. And, and, and I think that may be because they figured out people don't like it when, when, somebody is just gloating and, and kind of lording it over somebody else. It, yeah, it becomes, and it's psychologically pushing people away. You don't have when you, and this is one of the things I've always push out with, with assertiveness. I hate 
when people, you know, celebrate or brag about their 1,000th follower, their 5,000th follower, their mm-hmm. one, it says, when you turn it around and say, what about that person that was number two, three, or four? Oh, you right. gave an award and to someone. And they're still with you. Yes. Ex- and so now you've completely disrespected and more than likely lost them. I mean, mm-hmm. this, I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, what was it? I'm, I, I'm just so humbled. If you're so humbled, you don't need to share it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be truly be humble. <laughs> it's just, it's, and it, it blows my mind. And then there are certain people where they genuinely, they're not, they're looking at examples that they shouldn't necessarily follow. They don't mean it in any form of ill will. They just, mm-hmm. they see other examples and they're thinking, okay, I can do that. And, and they follow someone that's much more famous that has a pre-existing fan base. They're, they're right. communicating. It's, Oh, it's the same thing with radio and even mm-hmm. podcasts. One of the things that, that, I mean, and just the opening of this show as well as other shows that you have, you explain mm-hmm. who you are, what you are, you get right into it. Yes. There are some major market nationally syndicated shows where the banter goes on for six or seven minutes, but in a day where that's somebody that's been doing it for 20, 30 years, I think you and I know myself, I'm going to kick right in. I'm going to keep it relaxed, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to pretend to be something that I'm not. And in turn, it's respecting everybody at every level. Right. You know, because they don't tune in to the program to hear me. They tune in to hear me talk to my great guests. Right. And your your realization in that is so much better than someone else that opens up. I was I was driving. I forget where I was driving somewhere the other day. I turned on this local radio station and I checked their FCC numbers and I've looked at them and they're talking like they have a million people and they're mm-hmm. broadcasting to a couple hundred right now. But Ooh. the the arrogance of trying to make it seem bigger makes their mm-hmm. content less interesting. If they were sitting there considering that maybe only four people were in the audience and really saying, how are we going to draw these four people to get four more? That mm-hmm. could probably grow their ratings a lot more than what they're right. doing right now. Right. Well, and people do their research. You know, if, if somebody is, is really being, you know, too much the braggart and saying, you know, I have a million followers or whatever, people look. Um, you know, it, it kind of comes back to now, I'm really going to date myself on this one, with McDonald's, when their sign said, you know, 10,000 burgers served. Okay, now I, that, that is before my time. <laughs> but, you know, it, I remember when it said over a million served. And, you know, all, and, and, but people checked. You know, like, it, they, they would do the math. They would figure out, okay, well, that's X number of burgers a day and blah, 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 blah. And, and so they were kind of holding those accountable. And if it's discovered that you're overinflating your numbers, whether it's your fans on Facebook or, you know, the, the amount of money you have made or any of those various things, it only takes a very little thing to completely lose, lose your credibility forever. Oh, yeah. I'm always amazed at the people, the super I, – I, there was a while when I was getting a lot of calls from life coaches that wanted to do their branding with me. And it's funny because they bragged about having branding, but they wanted to do their branding with me. And I'd watch their videos about just how incredible they were. And then I'd say, okay, we can do an hour or here's a two-month package once. Oh, I can't afford that. I'm like, but I thought you made $37,462 right. last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You can't have a mortgage that big. And it, it just, the, that over sense of success, that oversell, it's mm-hmm. overly closing people off psychologically. Right. And the, the humility is everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're, and we're not saying to, again, to be so humble that, you know, it's like, well, um, you, you, you should buy from me because, you know, it's, no, you know, you, you still need to tell people about what you do. And it's okay to say, you know, hey, this is what I do. But you don't want to get so carried away that they're thinking, right, really? Uh-huh. You know, we're, we're going to go to the next person because maybe the next person has more time for me. Or, you know, because it, that's the other thing. If you brag too much, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm just a little fish and you're way too big for me or you're too good for me or, or whatever. And then I don't even try. That's, you know, it's, it, it's a great point that you bring up. And, and, and when people find that mid-level, there is a positive dominance. There is a middle line of assertiveness. There's a way to explain what you have and the pride in it while still remaining humble. I tell, right. I tell certain people, I say, okay, 
there are a lot of business advisors, speakers, and authors out there, and I might not be your best fit, but here on YouTube and coming back to the content, here's some mm -hmm. examples of my tone, my pitch, mm -hmm. the way that I approach things. And if this resonates with you, here's how we take it to the next step. Right. I'm not going to sell everybody and not everybody's going to like me and I'm okay with mm -hmm. that. Right, right. And it's not about the numbers. You know, I, I love the people who say, well, you know, we, we talked about this before, you, the, the thousand followers, the 10,000 followers. Um, you know, I've had clients who have wanted me to buy likes or buy people who buy followers for them on Twitter. And I've said, you know, no, I won't do it. You know, I, I just I point blank refuse to do it. And they're always perplexed because they want those numbers. And okay, yes, it is an ego thing. And I will admit, I like it when my numbers go up. But if it's not the right people, then you're wasting your time and your effort in even trying to reach out to them. You're so right. And this is at that time. It was an interview. Uh, I I think it was something, are you being busy? It was something about the term about being busy. It was are you being too busy or are you conducting business? And in that bit, in that over busy work of feeling like, well, I just put out a tweet that 6,000 followers watched when maybe six people saw it. Mm -hmm. Is it really time to spend, you know, 40 tweets thanking everybody that liked a post or is it also, is it time to dial back on the content and build richer, more engaging pieces that last and have endurance and compound to build your message, your product, or your vision in a way that is so much better than, I don't know, nitpicking and bugging for so long. Mm -hmm. Right. Talk to us more about that. How do you work with your clients to help them develop that very rich content? Well, the first step, I mean, the first step is, is funny and everybody talks about their templates and their systems. The first step for me with everybody that I talk to is really asking them what they want. And mm -hmm. not a lot of people do that. It's what, you know, mm -hmm. what do you want? What do you define as success? Okay. And it goes back to the music industry of saying, you know, do you need it to be, you know, Cristal and yachts and this and that? What if you were mm -hmm. able to hit this mark, you know, about the $175,000 mark where after uh, taxes, percentages and whatnot, you're still making a hundred grand a year mm -hmm. after everything else. And you're able to have health insurance and build this up and build that. And then you look at these people that at first were just starstruck and their only goal was the millions and looking straight at the moon to mm -hmm. getting them to look down at their feet and see the steps that they can make. It's not taking away the grand dream or vision, but it's right. realizing that an in-between place. And when you ask people that are together, different mm -hmm. business partners, what's the point What's going to make this thing fail? What's going to make this mm -hmm. thing succeed? The first mm -hmm. couple sessions that I do in any given project are, it's almost like therapy. Some people have told me where it, we just, mm -hmm. we go, we go through to figure out not just, oh, I want to be successful, but it's every person has a different level of success. And by right. knowing that and painting a picture backwards, or as I mm -hmm. always say, when it comes to the graphics and the tagline and the one-liner, I prefer to paint from a palette. And the more, mm -hmm. the more I can get from keywords and ideas, visions, pro pros, cons, negatives, history, mm -hmm. fears, and I can put all of that paint on a palette, then I can paint a better picture with that person, as opposed to saying, okay, we're going straight to canvas. And now we're going to have to cover up and erase and fix the, the happy little trees and the clouds of Bob Ross. <laughs> uh -huh. But his are always happy little trees. <laughs> Exactly. And some people, they say, oh, I don't want to talk about this or, or this, this has always hurt me. And then you find out, okay, that element where you see it as a negative can be a positive in this way, or where mm -hmm. you thought this wasn't enough can allow you an opportunity over here. I always ask people, I'm like, are you a quarter Canadian or a quarter for songwriters? Because if you can mm -hmm. publish your music in other countries outside of the U.S., you can make a higher royalty. Oh. And Interesting. You know, businesses from the consulting, you know, from the consulting standpoint, you know, what are you bringing? And, and, and then, of course, finding the words to always avoid. Unique, mm -hmm. different, innovative, never Guru. been done before, brand new. And even if you are any of those five, I always tell people, use different phrases because right. everybody else is using them. And just like you talked about before with the money, the connotations go so negative. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and it, there's nothing anymore that's unique. You know, it, it's I somewhere I saw something that said that everything that was going to be invented had been invented by X date or, you know, something like that. Now, that's not quite true, obviously. But, you know, there are really more than likely what you do somebody else does. So you can't say that you are unique. Um, you know, you can't, you, I love the one of a kind. Yeah. It's like, mm, not really. And, and so you still have to differentiate yourself, but you do that by showing that you've got great customer service, that you provide added value, you know, all of those things that your competition maybe doesn't provide when they're selling the same widget. Oh, when you, when you're able to separate out and you've mentioned it before about, what you deliver, but also what problem do you solve? You like the, the guy mm -hmm. you were saying before who says, I made all this money. I made all this money. What problem can he relate to that he had? And what does, mm -hmm. what does using his system or his product or trying out what he does, what does that solve? And it's not even necessarily being negative. Like um, some of the people that, you know, I, I, some of the life coach ones, the, the life coaches, I say that deliver a whole bunch of motivation without information are just wasting mm -hmm. your time. My, my old, my old lineage of saying, if you need to pay someone to inspire you to go after your dream, I think you might have the wrong dream. Right. Now, if you need to pay a business advisor or someone that can consult in a, in directions that can help to move that dream forward by all means, and that can be motivating, mm -hmm. but you have information and steps, but this new level of these millennials that are living in their parents' basements and claiming to do what, you know, what you do, what I do, what a lot of mm -hmm. other people do after years and years of experience, it's, it's a mixture of offensive and at the same time, it's foolish. <laughs> Right. And, you know, and, and then it, it ends up being comical. But the problem is, you know, say they're the, you know, the, the kid in the basement who's going to do a business's social media and they've, you know, they haven't experienced life. Now, you know, granted, there are some that are just wunderkinds and they're good at, you know, and so we're not talking about those. We're talking about the people who, and you've probably had this happen. I've had this happen multiple times. Well, my niece or my, my neighbor's kid does my social media. Ugh. You know, they they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, whether that means that they have to have somebody else. Typically what that means is they're not paying them. So, you know, they, they liked having the kid in the basement doing it because they didn't have to pay somebody. But then they've totally messed up the messaging that they're giving out to the world. It's it's interesting because I used to. I used to feel much more emotionally connected and it's not that I'm in any way trying to be negative, but I, when the people say, well, I'm doing this or I'm working with this person, it's not that I'm trying to steal anybody away. Most of what I'm doing is just trying to make sure that they're working on the best track or what mm -hmm. people don't realize with what I do, it usually ties into other social media marketers and right. real social, the real social media experts and the mar and the social media marketers love when I supplement on a project because I'm not trying to take over their client. I'm going to end up mm -hmm. making their job easier. And because right. they're going to be with that client for the long run, everybody's benefiting. I come in mm -hmm. and, and go out. Now, when, when I run into someone and I, I dealt with a plastic surgeon and we had this, really nice lunch at a beautiful place. And he just kept telling me, well, I'm already doing what you do. And you know, I, I'm doing this organically and I don't need to pay. I don't need to pay that cost. And I came back. I said, look, if you don't want to work with me, it's fine. I don't, with no offense, right. I don't want to uh -huh. work with you, but what you're creating, you'll never reach what I'm doing organically. And mm -hmm. it, there are people that do what I do, but here's the mistakes that you're making. And this isn't going to work, but please keep these things in mind. And as you get to that place, because the money that you're spending and it goes to the opposite end, I see certain people that will put $120,000 to half a million into online advertising campaigns, larger scale clients. Mm -hmm. And I come in and say, Hey, can we shift that down by 75, 80% right. by doing content in a better way? And mm -hmm. well, we got this and this is just, this is just what we're doing. And it's, mm -hmm simplify so that you have this sense of moral fiber so that, that, that you, you can make it better. And then there for the people that can't afford it, or mm -hmm. it's a smaller project. I, I tell people, I say, go to the podcast, go look at all my videos, mm -hmm. look at the examples. And I think kind of rambling a bit though, the proof of concept is everything to right. do the blogs, the videos. I tell people, I say, you know, when someone says, Oh, where can I find you? 
I said, go into Google and search business advisor, speaker, and author. Well, no, I need to put your name. I said, no, with the brand precision marketing and how that can fly over from social media into all these other areas, just search business advisor, speaker, and author. And then Mm -hmm. inside of YouTube, here are a couple phrases. Those examples that I practice everything that I teach and I preach makes mm-hmm. it a better trust zone than someone stating, I'll get you, like you said, I'll get you a million followers on Twitter. Give me this much money. But then they're all fake profiles and there's no right. conversion. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, it's it's the kind of the, the emperor with no clothes. You know, <laughs> they, they spend all of that money and have nothing. And then, of course, they think, oh, this is horrible. Facebook isn't for me. I need to not, you know, and, and, or, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing this. And, and it's like, no, you know, you, you still need to do it. Let's just try a different way. You know, we're not going to say it's a better way, but <clears throat> it is, but you know, it's, it is, it's trying, you know, trying in a different way. And, and I love it when, you know, you can tell that there's inflated numbers and, you know, and, and I think we've gotten away, hopefully knock on wood, all that good stuff really from the buying likes and buying followers, um, you know, and, and getting back to figuring out, okay, well, maybe having 50 people that have liked my page on Facebook is so much better than 5,000 if they're the right 50. Oh, absolutely. I had a, I had a page on Twitter and it had 23,000 followers and I, all my numbers from a conversion standpoint, it didn't feel right. So I shut the page Mm -hmm. down and I opened mm-hmm. up Twitter.com slash Lauren Wiseman. Now I'm at about 7,000. That's not mm-hmm. an important number at all. The only reason I'm bringing up the number is to make the comparison that I'm down, right. you know, mm-hmm. 14,000 yeah. plus. And that's not a bad thing. Exactly. By knowing, and, and when people say, well, I have this, uh, I have this fan base. I'm like, okay, you haven't been able to uh, switch from the day job. You don't really have the engagement. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I hit certain branding with people, I say, hey, your name is too oversaturated. It's going to take too much time or too much work to mm-hmm. what you currently have. So let's switch the model. Well, I don't want to lose my fans. I'm like, you don't, you know, barring, barring you're bringing in a minimum of $2,500 a month and whatever through those fans, you're in a plenty safe place. And even at 2,500, you're still right. in a safe place. Yet people will look at some of these hype guys and, you know, if to me and where I've come with my humility, but at the same time, ego, if the posts that I, if the posts that I put up, if the videos, the audios, the podcast, whatever, if that's not hitting because I share those and I only have 7,000 and you'd rather listen to somebody that has 7 million and he's just buying up the spot and he's comes from older money and he's just hyping by -hmm. all means, go listen to him and good luck. Right. (laughs) Well, and you know, and it's funny how we do get caught up in those numbers. And and again, it is kind of an ego thing. But you know, it in the long run, it, it really just isn't worth it. And and I talk to so many people who are so proud of those big numbers. And then I say, but what do those big numbers get you? Do they really have an awareness of your brand? And would they buy or you know buy a product from you or a service, or would they tell someone about it? And, and frequently you get the, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so just because you've got those numbers doesn't mean anything, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and when we talk about, you know, changing things and gee, we might lose fans. No, if they're a fan, they're going to be a fan. We'll you know, you we've, we've all got the fair weather fans and, and all of that stuff. And it's like, whatever, but you know, let, let's take it back to say a movie star, you know, I might absolutely think that Tom Hanks is the greatest in the world. And I do. I think Tom Hanks is great. There are some movies that it's like, Ugh, okay, maybe not so much, but I'm still a Tom Hanks fan, you know? And, and, and again, that, maybe that comes back to it's humanizing us. You know, we're not always perfect. We make those mistakes. <laughs> we make Turner and Hooch. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. Eh, not so good. But but then we come out with, you know, some absolutely phenomenal things. Oh, no. I mean, and, and that's and that's a be- I mean, that's a beautiful thing when it's when it's looking toward the content. And that's an unfortunate thing that it's still about with a lot of people and younger people, the number element. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you look to when you look to that brand and you create part of that content where when somebody asks a question to Siri that you have an answer to and it points to you and you right. optimized your brand and that particular post correctly, Mm -hmm. then that's a major win. And then from there, 
How does that convert? A lot of my podcast titles are specifically optimized to capture people that are asking questions about the topics that we're discussing to turn them in that direction. Just right. as just as saying no one, you know, I mean, you a lot of people are searching for podcasts on YouTube. So I went after mm-hmm. iHeartRadio business podcast as a video mm-hmm. that I shot. And because no one else had now, when you search iHeartRadio business podcast, it points to an intro video about mine. Now, I could sit there all day long and do, wait, what really okay? And my name and my name. My name's not that important. It's the foundation of the brand. Right. But the, the floors, the, 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 the height, the skyscraper of it is content that's headlined and titled properly to draw people into the reason why, what the problems you solve, how you help, what you do. And by setting it up and getting out of the worst mindset in the world of I'm the best, here's my name, here's who I am, and going to hear the problems I solve, here's what can help, here's information that you're searching on, and I want to make that lead to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm I'm gathering that all of this is what you call brand precision marketing. Yes. <laughs> so tell us more about that because I think that's where people do get caught up is is you know they think well this is the flavor of the month so this is what I'm going to do or I'm going to buy followers or all of those things. So explain in more detail what is brand precision marketing. You know, it's like, what would you say? Also, uh, ex- explain with uh, explain with more precision, perhaps. <laughs> That's it. Yes, be more precise. I I tell people that inside of all the products that they're selling, inside of all the templates that they're making, brand precision marketing is more about creating a fundamental foundation that's easier to work with, from your graphics to your bio to your tagline. So that Mm -hmm. everything you create content wise, as well as all the money you spend on marketing, or if you're having Mm -hmm. help with social media, is all that much more precise behind a plan that's organized specifically for you, your budget, your strengths, even your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And then by having that, it makes every effort and every dollar spent compound that much more effectively, saving time, saving money and building larger conversions. And that's why I'm saying from social media experts to marketing teams to pr to publicity to public uh, you know public relations publicists i come in sometimes for an hour and just say okay i'm going to give an overview of this or let's do a recreated brand on this to make your job easier to make everybody see mm-hmm. in a different light sometimes we get so close and we're realizing oh so much time is being spent here or i feel like i'm putting this out and i'm not seeing this come back in, in revamping that message or in building that message from the start, it gives, it gives the the business owner and their team a better chance to reach wider and think from a better standpoint over just, I'm going to advertise, 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 advertise. And then it's, here's content that ties to everything I'm about, to the message that I'm about. And then you get to learn you know, with the editorial calendar, with the templates, what should I build off of? Wow. You know what? This didn't work. I Mm -hmm. I mean, and and testing out different things. The beauty about brand precision marketing is once that formula and templates in place, then it's easy for every person to adjust and work with it. One of my biggest pride, uh, you know, elements of pride is once you hire me for a package, I hope you never hire me for that package again. (laughs) Right, because you learn. I hope we Mm -hmm. go over something different if you hire me again. But some of my pride and my highest level of conversions are people that are saying, oh, I went and spent 15 grand here, or I went and spent $75,000 here. I did this, and I was able to pay you for three hours or pay you for two months and Mm -hmm. not need you again. (laughs) Right. and, And that really is the best thing is when we have taught someone so well, that they go off and do it successfully on their own. Oh, so so much so. And and by by stepping back and not realizing, wow, some of my strengths might be weaker than I thought or some of my weaknesses are stronger than I thought. Mm-hmm. Then it can be that much more inspiring when when we get away from the snake oil salesmen and saleswomen and come to a point of explaining things in in a way that we can all understand. Then we know the best steps to take, and we also know the people to watch out for. Right. 
And the cool thing is when we have planned and when we have done this so strategically, we don't get caught in the squirrel moments, you know, and, and, and it's not the, what is the flavor of the month and all of those things. You know, I always cringe at Super Bowl advertising. Now, you know, I love Super Bowl advertising. I'm one of those people that really loves the fact that now I don't have to watch the Super Bowl because they post them all online. But, you know, the, the companies sometimes that advertise, you're thinking they've missed it. You know, this, this is not their target market, you know, and, and, you know, and, and the only reason they wanted to run that ad is so that they could say, we were a Super Bowl advertiser. And it's like, nah, you were competing against Budweiser and Doritos. <laughs> you know, you probably missed. You, yeah. I mean, and to put out that kind of money right. in, in that short moment, and then at the same time to say, hey, I'm going to attack an ad budget and an ad strategy online that will with spending anything that would get you national a Super Bowl time that would stretch out for 12 to 18 months and mm -hmm. in a positive way, in a sense, inundate too, too many people with the ad campaign or the people that have the big money spends. I'm going to do this TV thing here, this radio thing here, this online thing here. And then really... Can you truly tell where those conversions came from, where right. if you could bucket five days or seven days of powerhousing on Facebook around mm -hmm. a funny video that has a great call to action, then let it simmer and sit for seven days, then powerhouse seven more days later on a mm -hmm. radio ad or a syndicated and be able right. to see what you're doing, where you're doing it, you are going to be able to do it so much better. <laughs> Right. Yeah, because then the next time you know, okay, I'm going to do this Facebook ad again, and I'm going to tweak the demographics just a little bit, or, you know, all of those things. And, and I mean, the cool thing about Facebook ads is Facebook will work with you to do them. You know, it's where they make their money, duh. And so the important thing is that they want you to advertise again. And, you know, I love the people that are going to throw the kitchen sink at it. You know, they're going to, because Facebook's thing when you first start to do an ad is to tell you the maximum number of people that your ad could reach. That's every age, every demographic, everything out there. And again, that's, you know, that's the Super Bowl ad. What you, you know, really want to think about is, no, 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 no. I'm a brick and mortar place. So advertising in another state might not exactly be a good idea. Or I'm a bar. And so advertising to the over 65, because it breaks at 65. So over the 65 age crowd might not be the best thing. And, and so, you know, but once you figure out that kind of secret sauce, it, keep with it. I mean, it's, it's as you said, that's, that really is the, the key to all of this. And that's where the strategies come in, in an aspect of brand precision marketing, from the advertising element to how pieces can move around and where things have been tested or things haven't necessarily been looked at. And yet mm -hmm. people are so afraid, oftentimes, to take that chance, to, to right. say, okay, I, ha I, mean, I have this humongous budget, so I need to spend it. Well, Mm -hmm. You don't. <laughs> right. You know, and, 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 you know, whether it's your company or you're working for somebody, they really won't get their feelings hurt if you say, you know, you gave me a budget of 10000 and I only spent 1000 They're not going to, you know, hopefully they won't say, well, you didn't do your job. Because if you did your job, you turned that 1000 into very good leads, you know, all those various things, as opposed to saying, well, you know, I spent $10,000 and we got two phone calls. Exactly. And I mean, and, and again, it goes to the expertise of not somebody coming up. It, it, mm -hmm. And this isn't, this isn't knocking like the, the wonder child, but you know, your background with 20 years of marketing and PR, you've watched and grown with those changes. So, mm -hmm. so to know what happened, what worked, what failed, where it's going, you mm -hmm. have a better lead to your customers, your clients, your listeners than someone that just grew up or said, hey, I just did a $200 ad spend on Facebook. You know, I mean, it's it's looking to people that see the all the aspects of I mean, all the aspects of public relations. I've hired a few publicists when it was time for my book. I've mm -hmm. consulted for a few publicists, but right. always knowing someone that's had that wider view. And you mentioned to me when we were, when we were off air about being a lobbyist, mm -hmm. what a better contact point to think about what you have to sell with people on both sides of the fence from the far right mm -hmm. to the far left to try to move something through government. And now 
in, in almost an easier way to be able to have that array view to come up with what, where your brand is going to go, where your right. product, where your service is going to go. This is where it comes back to the experience of investing the time and money into someone like you over someone that has a million followers or had that very linear singular win of, oh, I took a $4 million company and turned it into 40 million. And now I'll tell you how to handle things even if you only have $400. Mm -hmm. It's cats like that. I'm not going to call him out right now, but his whole yeah. life coaching thing, mm -hmm. right? It, it's hurting more than helping. Mm -hmm. Well, and it could be that that product hit the market at the exact right time. I mean, you know, it was just, it was, it was kismet or, or whatever. And, you know, and, and so it was a fluke that they went from 4 million to 40 million and, and all of those. And, and, yeah, I mean, there are those one hit wonders. I still wonder about, you know, whoever came up with marketing a pet rock. Really? <laughs> but they made millions of dollars off of it. But it was a one time thing, you know, and and so, yeah, you have those flukes and those those just total luck. But to really get something lasting, you have to plan. You have to be strategic. You know, whoever came up with Pet Rocks, what they come up with next did they, you know, that, you know, that, you know now I'm going to have to look that up because that's going to bother me. <laughs> you know, was it really there, you know, in music terms, the one hit wonders, you know, that they came up with something and then they just completely went away. And the aspect is because we now don't believe, we believe the hype without looking for the substance. I consulted right. on some reality television shows and I was mm -hmm. a part of a couple one hit wonders. I'm not going to name right now because in a sense, the budget that we put together, the timing that we planned because of what the given artist looked like, what was happening, what was being released. We had, uh, for lack of a better word, plethora of advanced information to almost guarantee mm -hmm. the crossover. And it was it was right. one of the reasons when I was a producer, people would say, well, I want you to produce what you did here. I'm saying, okay, well, this is the budget we had. This is the time I had. This is the access to musicians I had. And this is the marketing that I had. If we can meet all of these things, then I think we might have a, a shot at paralleling. Right. But mm -hmm. the minute when you're saying, okay, I love, I mean, I always used to make the joke of saying, okay, you want me to do a $120,000 album for 4,000. I own, mm -hmm. you know, I drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee. If I went to uh, a Maserati clinic, it'd be a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't have learned anything. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it is, it, it comes back to knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, all of those various things. And, and by knowing those things, by being able to adapt, by seeing the examples of what's worked, what hasn't worked, and even understanding the backstories. I mean, and, and for you as a publicist at NPR, isn't it so funny how people say, oh, this was just an overnight success. And you probably came in nine to 11 months before that launch to mm -hmm. make it look like that overnight right. success and still had to work through another seven months just to get that ROI mm -hmm. point. Right. Yeah, there there isn't any such thing as an overnight success, you know, and and whether it's in the entertainment industry or, you know, you're you're you know, you're selling a widget or whatever, there was a lot of work that went into it and then the, you're right, a lot of work afterwards. Well, we always made the joke of, you know, the, the people saying if we make it look like an overnight success, you know, it, it's almost all the better, but then at the same time, I I'm and this is not not to be not to be rude to certain people in Nashville, but what Taylor Swift has chosen not to share with young women, what Lady Gaga has chosen not to explain in how they've bought into the PR stories that were created. So they send mm -hmm. young women and aspiring artists down a path that says, okay, I'm going to tell you this 10% here and not fill you in of all these other opportunities, monies, investors, mm -hmm. this larger right. scale, this, this adjusting five times over that to me, is one of my biggest pet peeves. And I go and mm -hmm. I, and even when I talk to other speakers, when they're saying, okay, well, how do I present this? I don't want to present my failure. Share across the board. I talked to a guy that does a yacht sharing, uh, a yacht sharing business in Chicago. Oh, and he was cool. trying, he was like, well, I can't talk about this. So you can absolutely talk about this. You can compare mm -hmm. it to the aspect of Uber or Airbnb. Mm -hmm. You can bring up the elements. Yes, you're hitting a more exclusive crowd, but right. as you relate to them and show a sense of humility with the choice being best to go to you, even if it's a smaller audience, 
you're kicking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and it comes back to what we were saying before. It humanizes you to show that you're not perfect. The imperfection draws more trust. I mean, when someone, mm-hmm. when someone's just coming and saying how great absolutely everything they've done is, it's, if it makes me think one, they're lying Two, I'm going to be their first failure. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> well, and especially in this day of social media, you know, somebody is going to find something and then just relish in saying, Ooh, you know, look what Lauren did back in 1973, you know? And, and it's like, really, you know, does it pertain? No, but it goes against that perfect image. And, you're you know, so yeah. old, I was born in 74. <laughs> oh, you're, you're a youngster. You're a youngster. Um, and, but yeah, it's, you know, people love, and that maybe is the other thing is people love to find dirt. And so if you're presenting yourself as being perfect or being the perfect company to work with, you know, you've never had any failures, you know, maybe you're the restaurant that's never had anything except a five-star review. Nah, people, people are going to love to bring you down off that pedestal. Oh yeah. And I, I mean, and I advertise it. I was involved with the comeback and I will name her. I was involved with the comeback Susan Powder, the woman that stopped the insanity. I, I was involved with her comeback infomercial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The extent of how badly that failed and how much money that ended up costing so many people, mm-hmm. it was horrific. And But now from that failure and knowing so much from it and how to work off it, I would never regret that whole thing happening. Right. I, mean, I was I was on the floor crying. It was it, I mean, it was a different it was the difference of six hours where I thought I was going to be a multimillionaire until I found out that I was broke. Mm-hmm. And and. That experience, that that has been a culminating key part, and I would not change it for the world, although I, it's right. funny because I look back and I'm like, wow, so I went to work with a woman whose tagline had the word insanity in it. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hmm, maybe you should have known something. Bingo. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, I think it is so important to remember that we have to learn from our failures, you know, and, and whether it's that, you know, we, the, the product wasn't the right product at that point in time, or, you know, the ad budget was wrong, or we worked with the wrong people, learn from those mistakes and, and go on. Well, I mean, and, and those are the people that also, you know, turning the spotlight here back to you. The people that understand crisis management more than anybody else, the social light turning to crisis management, which I know mm-hmm. is one of your services, is, you know, to be able to not just try to duck cover and hide, but right. say, how are we going to work with this, spin this or alter mm-hmm. this message or heal this message? Right. Well, and a big part of that is a little bit about what we talked about before. When you've got those fans, that support system that is so strong that if something happens, now we're not saying something catastrophic, but if something happens, hopefully you're not defending yourself, they're defending you. Um, you know, a long time ago, I worked for a company called ING. It's now changed its name, but I was with ING in uh, Denver and we worked on our philanthropic outreach. I mean, it was, it was something that we spent a lot of money on in, in a time when companies weren't doing that. And it was so interesting because my president said, you know, there were several reasons to do it. First, it was just good business sense, you know, to, to always be giving back to the community, but you never knew when somebody might be the person, the next person who is going to buy a product or service from us or an employee or something like that. And then if something did go wrong, they were the people who were going to say, Hey, you know what? Let's give them a break. Let's, you know, let, let's keep going with them and, and, you know, and, and be the, the people who are defending you. Oh yeah. No. And, and when people, and I think I'm going to the, uh, uh, the best case scenario, <clears throat> excuse me. When people think about, uh, you know, the, the needs to support things like crisis management or crisis communications mm-hmm. and being able to say, okay, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. How do I maintain this? Do I need to keep a publicist on? If you have the money, absolutely. Right. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if you're – and then like with, with your background in lobbying, I, I have a friend up in, in Pennsylvania. He, he's uh, with Triad Strategies and they have one guy and a team that are constantly running crisis management and crisis communications. Mm-hmm. I think that's genius. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. You should always be prepared for something to go wrong. Um, you know, if you're the restaurant, you should be prepared for somebody, you know, I, I saw this on Facebook yesterday. Somebody didn't like their meal at one of these popular Italian restaurants and discovered that the pasta in it had been burnt. So, you know, she immediately starts posting pictures and tagging the restaurant and, and all sorts of things. Now, I mean, you know, that happens. I don't, I didn't look back to see how the restaurant handled it. My guess is they ignored it and thought, oh, hopefully it will go away. They should have said, oh my gosh, when can you come back for a free entree? You know, and, and when they, you know, and, and then when you try to fix it, that's again, when everybody else says, well, that's not our experience there. We always have good meals there and, and things like that. And, and, you know, we all try and be that ostrich because we don't want bad stuff to happen. But if we can deal with it in a way, and so many times people just want to be acknowledged. You know, if, if I had something that happened and somebody said, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. I'm like, okay, I'm fine now. But if they ignore me, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, that's that's hilarious. I mean, I, I mean, I think I would I would spin it of of inviting them back for a meal. And then if right. it was summertime or if it was down here in Florida, I'd also give them a free can of suntan lotion to say, mm-hmm. we don't want you to get anything burnt from us and we don't want you to right. burn your skin either. Oh, yeah. Or we got burned <laughs> or, or whatever. And, you know, and people think that, and, you know, obviously there are times where you have to be serious. I mean, you know, we're not talking about those times, well, yeah. but, you know, it's yeah, a little tongue in cheek and a little poking fun at yourself goes a long way. You know, something else that you mentioned with, with protecting yourself and, and, and I guess you could say preventative maintenance. I know, I know we only got a couple minutes here mm-hmm. is that. With and and I invite people to visit the website leveragingsmart.com. Not even don't even just scroll to the bottom. Don't even look at the content. You'll notice we have a copyright policy, a privacy policy, terms and conditions, limited limitation of liability, intellectual property, delivery returns, acceptable use. What's there on the bottom? And we invite people. We paid for the lawyers to take care of that. Yes, but. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the privacy policy and the terms and conditions in place for your web presence and somebody receives a spam email that didn't come directly from you because of what's going on in the government, they can come after you. Now, when Mm -hmm. you make your website and just add those extra pieces and steal them from me for free, you have my permission. Alter them, of course, to your message. Right. That. You are protecting yourself, preventative maintenance from something that could go unfortunately wrong with spamming, because I think that that's going to be something that's going to come in the next year in 2017. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to realize that they're going to do a lawsuit. They're going to destroy a company, make a fortune. And it's all because of that. Make sure your copyright, your privacy, your terms and conditions, and especially that limitation of liability states that anybody coming onto your site can't do anything to you. Right, right. And, you know, if you send out emails, make sure that people can unsubscribe, you know, all of those various things. Oh, I hate it when somebody, and and it's funny because like on LinkedIn, I'm Deborah, And I know for sure when somebody has taken their connections off of LinkedIn and put them into their database, when I receive something that is addressed to Deborah. Because I, you know, LinkedIn is the only place that I do that. And it's this whole brand thing that, you know, I get lectured at because it's the only place I use it. But, you know, don't do that, folks. Don't add somebody just willy nilly. And but if you do, at least give them the chance to say, whoops, I really didn't want this. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, Lauren. We are almost out of time and there were several subjects that we didn't even get to cover because we were having so much fun and talk and I was learning so much talking about all of this. So that just means that I have you on again. I mean, that's oh, cool let's part absolutely when you when you have the time, you know, let's absolutely do this again. Right, right. Well, again, tell people how they find with you, how they find you and how they connect with you online. Well, like I said in the beginning, you can just type in business advisor, speaker, and author. But if you want to make it a little easier, Lauren Wiseman, L-O-R-E-N-W-E-I-S-M-A-N. There's .com, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's LinkedIn. It's the brand is across the board on any social media site. And my podcast, which, you know what, Deb, we'll have to have you on that one. There we go. Oh, fun. No, let's continue the conversation on online. Yes, um, definitely. That's Wait What Really Okay? And you can find that on, on iHeart, on Spreaker, and uh, a couple other channels too. I love it. I love it. 
Well, Lauren, like I said, we've, you know, we've run up against the top of the hour. And so we do need to end, but we definitely have to continue this because this has been so much fun and I've learned so much and hopefully our listeners have too. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, ta- talking to you and your background, I'm, I'm learning too. I think we should definitely part, part two is coming on. Wait, what really? Okay. When I have you as my guest. I love it. And we will be more than happy to tell everybody about it. Beautiful. Great. Well, I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Lauren Wiseman. And until next week, everyone have a great time. Thanks for listening to Deb Creer, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.